We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I'm launching a new website, transformativeprinciple.com. You can go there to learn about and join the mastermind. And also, you can go there to learn how to get positive press for your school. What's better than you telling your story all the time? Getting other credible third parties to tell your story for you. Go to transformativeprinciple.com. Once again, that's transformativeprinciple.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle today. I am excited to have Joe Wiebe on the program. He is another Australian guest, which is always fun to have. A couple of weeks ago, we talked to James Anderson, who's also from Australia. Although Joe's from Sydney and James is from Melbourne. So little, mm. little bit of space between the two. Joe, welcome to Transformative Principle. Excited to have you. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so a little bit about you. You are a pretty young guy, uh, 27 years old, so you're not not an old man yet. Um, and last year, you wrote a book called uh, 18 and Lost, So Were We. So tell us a little bit about that book to get us started. Absolutely. Yeah, we wrote this book as a group of authors. So we had eight people sharing their stories about life after high school and a surprise ninth. And uh, we actually, we went on a retreat and did this together and got just everyday people, obviously, because we wanted relatable stories, but it was also a great opportunity to show, um, because I guess a big theme of the book is education and that path you take after high school, obviously. But we also want to show that, you know, young people can do creative things um, if you just give them the right opportunity. 
So it was like an incredible experience for like a group of people as authors who we're all now really good friends, but also just a very important kind of message, like the subheading, um, the subtitle of the book is there's no perfect path. You know, nine stories show there's no perfect path after high school. Yeah. Well, what I, what I like about this, Joe, is that I talk all the time about giving kids opportunities to be creative and do amazing things. And those opportunities are out there. But a lot of times we don't take advantage of them because we don't know what we can do. We think somebody has to give us permission. So talk to us about how you gave yourself permission to write this book and do something creative. That's a phenomenal question. Uh, and I almost don't know where to begin, but I won't, I won't give the whole life story. But definitely I got this frustration about the lack of awareness about what people are capable of just because the experience and the story I had. I had a few lucky twists and turns, which showed me that. Probably, you know, I started this doing this project that was in Nepal, like a nonprofit thing many years ago, which was the first kind of self-directed thing I did. I, I didn't start it. My friend started it and everything, but invited me to join in. And that gave me this confidence and belief that, wow, you can go do very uh, unusual, creative things and actually learn more, have a better experience, discover you're capable of even more. And it kind of compounds. Whereas a lot of people who don't get that first insight into themselves will never, obviously they'll, they'll never do step one. So they're not going to do step two, three, four. So this was something I've been thinking about for years as I started to do self-directed stuff was how do we actually get other people to do this? So for me, the permission just came from probably learning over a couple of years, diving into entrepreneurial challenges myself for the last five years, slowly building the confidence and awareness that in the time we live in, the gatekeepers are really gone, like, or they're eroding. Like something like a book where previously you needed, the book is a symbol of that. Somewhere in the past where you needed a publisher and a, an approval, to get, now it doesn't cost anything to upload a, and publish your own book on Amazon. It doesn't cost a dollar. Anyone could do it next week. So the you have to give yourself, yeah, it's, it's tricky figuring out how do you give yourself that permission. For me, I think it just came over time. And then it's really interesting trying to pass that on to other people. And someone's got to, you always got to have someone just every time you do it, you're leading the way for someone else as well, which is important. Well, yeah. And, and by going out and doing it yourself first, you then become a leader to other people by showing that it's possible to be done, but also by helping them see that they can do it themselves. So can you give an example of how you've helped someone do it themselves as well? Yeah. So I'd use someone from the book, to be honest. I'll use Josh. Uh, Josh is a friend of mine, literally. The person I would just see out partying, drinking for the past couple of years, completely just purely social friend, never really had intellectual discussions and nothing. We invite him to become part of the book um, because he's showing this itch for wanting to do more professionally with his life. And so it's like, all right, book's a good first step. And through the book, See, after the book, he's now started doing his own startup business. So he's working on a new type of co-working space specific for people in construction and trade industries, right? So builders and stuff like that who are not catered for, like you've got WeWorks and stuff like that, but not, nothing specific for them. So it's a, it's a very cool idea. And, you know, in the audio book, I did a little interview with him after his chapter. And he just talks about, yeah, the book gave him more confidence. You know, it's, 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 like I said, it's a first step. It's like, it's that gives you that identity that, oh, I can do things like this. 
And then you start to think, what else can I do? And momentum is so seductive for human beings. So he's just like, he's one example. And some of the authors have, yeah, now gone on to up, you know, move on, take on bigger challenges and projects. So it's a very interesting kind of teasing out this kind of thesis through the book about what people are capable of and how you hook them into that kind of world. But those are some of the best examples so far. Yeah. So tell me what you mean about um, momentum is seductive. What do you mean by that? We're just so predisposed as human beings to continue on a, a path. It's, I, I think about Newton's laws and physics with this, like an, an object will continue in motion unless, you know, acted on by something else, pushing it in a different direction. So I talk in the, my chapter about this idea of I had this six out of 10 life disease, I called it at university, where life wasn't bad enough that I was like, I want to change this. But it also wasn't so good that I was like, how exciting is my life? And that is just, that's momentum. And, and because of that, I didn't make a change. I'd say the best example of it is thinking about going to the gym or exercising. The first effort to go to the gym or exercise is so effortful. There's no momentum because you're changing direction. You're already on this force path and you're trying to change direction. But once you start going a couple of times and you get into habit and routine, then you get to a point where you don't have to think about it anymore and it actually just becomes automatic. And then that momentum actually carries you through the rest of the way to be consistent, continue, get fitter, healthier. I think James Clear in Atomic Habits talks about a habit really gets locked in once you resonate on the identity level. Um, but you need to like convince your body or you're tricking your body almost that I'm this sort of person who exercises. So there's just so many examples where people always have this bias to follow through. Like I can't remember the last time I half finished a packet of chips or half watched a TV episode. We're so biased to get towards the finish line. And so I think the real game of uh, being a creative is, is just choosing your finish, finish line wisely because once you get into it, momentum will be the thing that carries you through. Yeah. So momentum is seductive in the positive and in the negative also, right? Absolutely. So. Once you get going to the gym, that momentum is just really nice to to have and because it makes it easier to do it. But same thing if you open up a, a box of cookies, you got the same problem that I might as well finish this. There's only a couple left. And that can that can be really challenging. So what things can you put in place to prevent yourself from being sucked into that momentum for bad things and encourage yourself to do it for good things? And before you answer Wow. One thing I want to say real quick is I do have a one-page summary of Atomic Habits, which you can get at the show notes for this. Uh, so transfor uh, transformative, excuse me, transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 460. So you can check that out because that was a great book. And if you haven't read it, you should definitely uh, check out the one-page summary because it's pretty powerful. There you go. Good shout out. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful concept. So yeah, how can people avoid you know it's it's probably one of the hardest things these days and it's because that's six out of ten concept when you're not sensitive to the costs of your actions like where they're not put in your face that's one of the most um that's the trickiest thing uh human like it's it's all about feedback like are you actually getting the feedback um like something with the gym to use the gym example or or the cookie rather the cookie jar example it's the bad feeling you get in your stomach after that's nature trying to tell you uh, that this is not right. When you're on the wrong, wrong kind of trajectory, 
maybe in life or not the best path for you, you get what I called that six out of 10 life experience. So it is really tricky. But one thing Josh, the same guy in his chapter talked about a lot was opportunity costs. So that was something he learned about during the book because it was very relevant for his life. And opportunity costs or the cost of inaction, those twin concepts are basically about if, if it's not clear to say a listener what they are, it's like, what are, you, what are you like missing out on that you're not even aware of because of a decision? So for example, if I choose to go running all day tomorrow, there's opportunity costs. I can't go to the gym as well because I've been running all day and I'll be tired. And also can't go for coffee with family, for example. Obviously, that's a small example, but you know whether it's working on a, the wrong project for three years or something like that, or not, not taking on a challenge for three years, there's some pretty big opportunity costs that you're not sensitive to. It's super difficult to come back to actually answering your question, I think, but I think it's you need the prompt. So if someone's listening to this podcast episode, this would be a prompt. It's top of mind. You're thinking about where's it relevant for you. I would sit down and write, what are the opportunity costs I'm facing right now? What's the time I'm passing up? What are the financial, emotional, social? Am I missing out on connecting with more people? But yeah, it's unless acted on by an external force, uh, most people in their day-to-day lives are not sensitive to that seductive momentum unless they're listening to podcasts, journaling, yeah. you know, talking to friends that triggers a new thought. It really requires external stimulation. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And one of the things that I've noticed with that is that it takes it takes effort, real effort to do that more than just I'm going to start a new habit or I'm going to start a new goal. There's got to be a deeper reason why you want to do that. And you know, one of the things that you that you're involved with is is taking a gap year and I think you called it three dead years after high school where that is a momentum killer is taking a gap year. And then that's not a bad thing in this situation because if you just go to school to go to school because it's what you're supposed to do, you're not necessarily going to have the right motivation or the right work ethic or anything like that. So it's it's good to have that momentum break in there so that you can become better. And I was I, I talked to a lot of people and a lot of people say things like, I never got serious about education until I got to college. Or until mm. I started on my master's degree, and for me, mm. it wasn't until my master's degree that I really got serious about edu- about formal education. Even though I love learning and I've been learning my whole life, but I never did well in school prior to that. I did pretty well in college, but not not the best. But I never did well prior to that because I didn't care about it because there wasn't that feeling of this is why I'm doing it. And now here we are, episode 460 of this podcast. that nobody's paying me to do, but I'm doing it because I think that it's the right thing to do. And it's something that, I mean, talk about loving learning. This is uh, an opportunity to learn every single week when I interview somebody. It's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal insight. Like we, the break, uh, we have, we run a community of young kind of creative people in the aftermath of the book. We talk about it in the conclusion. And one of the members, James, just talked about how he was not proactive at college at all until he did an exchange or a little, yeah, or a little, it wasn't a gap year. It was like a small exchange, so semester abroad or something like that. And he just, and he goes, when I came back, it was just like, because it was a refresh, because it was a break, I kind of cleared my mind. And then, then I was just so much more proactive about getting involved on campus, getting into societies, being proactive about internships and jobs that come after I graduate. 
And he goes, I really needed that clean slate, that time away. And the other example of that is in chapter one, Scott, who was, who's my high school friend, and he wrote a phenomenal chapter about a very positive, I had a very negative college, or as we say in Australia, university experience. He had a very positive one. So he's, he's a good, it's like, it's not just college is bad or you know, none, none of these things are bad necessarily. How you use them could be like positive or negative. And he had a great experience, but he also was very deliberate about, about putting in, I'm going on exchange here. I'm going on a holiday here. I want to have time to reflect on the past year of university. Do I like it? Do I like this degree? It's really hard to think clearly when you're in the middle of something. You can think so much more clearly when you pause, you let the momentum die down and then you can look at it almost as a third party rather than so hard to see. It's like a fish in the ocean. It's so hard to see the ocean from within the ocean. It's nice to be able to have a helicopter view and learning. Like, as you talked about, learning is a very complex thing and you need, it starts with interest. You need to be curious. You need to care enough. It needs to be clear why it matters. And for you, you've chosen this. So for you, it's clear why it matters because you were able to come to that in your own timing. Yeah. I mean, all that makes so much sense, but our education system doesn't really allow for that. And it doesn't allow for that time and space to reflect and think as, as much as a lot of teachers I think are trying to do that as a system, it's not designed for that. It's designed to move you through a process. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. What, what are your thoughts on that? Completely agreed. I've been pretty, not surprised, but really impressed by the quality of thinking from a lot of people within the education system I've met uh, through the process of working on this book and, and marketing this book. Obviously, it helps me meet so many people. And there's no shortage of forward thinking uh, people. I'm one of the Australia's leading kind of school principals that I spoke to. I was just like, oh, yeah, you know. School, her words, not mine. School was set up as this thing originally to indoctrinate, you know, young people, like especially religious institutions and stuff, set up schools to get the values in really early before the young mind can object. And, and it's almost like a form of, of brainwashing. These are her words. And I'm like, oh my God. And she's like, so yeah, people like you and other people should really question, you know, what we're doing because systems are always more powerful than individuals. As you point out, culture is always more powerful than an individual. Um, so I feel like we need to combat culture with culture. But again, the systems we have in place are everything. Like because no matter how many 
podcasts, books, everything we do, if people still enroll in the same system, we're still going to get largely the same results. There's so much great thinking and ideas that are accessible to people now through podcasts, through books. It's very democratized information and ideas. But at the same time, that's still triggering an unlearning process of any any kind of damage, not to be too harsh, that is done through a system that obviously, you know, conditions people to be passive, unfortunately, and not creative. Like this is when you go toilet. This is what time you start. This is what you're doing today. Everything's, you know, it's it's conditioning you to be passive and to wait for things, which is something I see trying to employ people, trying to work with people. Initiative is is the scarcest thing, yet it is the highest value thing. This book, you know, none of these authors, none of these people, Jethro, were looking to become authors. They weren't looking for it. I just, me and Scott decided, no, no, this would be cool. Let's do it. And we'll invite these people. And because we prompted them, they were like, oh yeah, one month to write a chapter. I can do that. I'd have to quit my job, but they weren't looking to do it. But because we prompted them, they did do it. Their lives could be very different without this book. So it's like, what's the cost of inaction on a societal level of lack of initiative, you know, kind of culturally, like it's, it's massive. It, it it's really, really big. is. And there's a phenomenon in China that I heard about recently. It's called lying down. And I heard about this. Yeah. I heard about this. So what they do is crazy. Yeah. It's uh, young men and women who say that life isn't really like, I'm not, I'm never going to get ahead fatalistic. I'm being passive and letting things happen to me instead of having initiative. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this lying down approach where I basically just lie down and let the world move on around me. And when I first heard that, I thought that that can't be. And then as I learned more about it, I realized that, yeah, there are people who think that things have to happen to them and that they, they have no control over anything around them. But it goes back to what you were saying, that the system is more powerful than the individual. And that is true. But as more individuals you know, do their own thing and, and break out from that, then they have the power within themselves to do that. And really, regardless of what system is in place, I believe you do have the power to do that and that everybody should take advantage of that, which can be a scary thing to do, but I think totally worthwhile. I want to go back to what you said about the brainwashing. The brainwashing, the indoctrination that schools do is fine as long as they're indoctrinating and brainwashing the right things. Nobody cares about indoctrination and brainwashing when it's the right thing. It's when it's the wrong thing that we have a problem with it. And so I think if if that's the case, which I believe it is, and I should I should talk with that principle that you talked with because that would that'd be a great conversation. Um, but that... It, it's okay when brainwashing happens because that's how we teach. We say, this is what we believe. This is how we act. And if we're teaching people the right things, then everybody's fine. So we need to make sure that's actually what we're doing and not teaching them the wrong things. And this is a good example of the wrong thing is that you have to be passive and wait for things to come. The right thing is to have intrinsic motivation and desire to do more and live up to the potential that each individual person has, whatever that may be. Yeah. Human potential is unknowable. It's not, it's not necessarily like everyone is a Steve Jobs or a Beyonce or whatever, but it is unknowable. 
And that's the sad thing. I see so many people now, especially the work we're doing with the community and all this post, um, you know, alternative education stuff. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not a writer. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. And I just think, why do you have to identify against it? You don't have to practice it, but why is there a barrier? Why is there an identity level barrier saying, I am not this? What do you actually gain from having this firm? I'm not. You can say, I don't like running a business or I don't like the idea of writing regularly. That's fine. But I get very concerned by this like identity level cutting things off for, like needlessly. There is no real advantage to that closed mindedness. And you're right that brainwashing, you know, and everything, um, obviously they have negative connotations as words, but that is the same thing that if you look at the um, incredible sporting movies or things like that, it's, it's that, um, you know, if it's um, remember the Titans or a coach Carter or something like that, it's very, that is a militaristic almost like, you know, get up and train and this is how we are as a pack and, you know, very tribal and it's very positive. I think the concept of leadership, you know, because the, the greatest way to, positively brainwash and indoctrinate, I think, is just through example rather than prescription, which has the same effect in that you transform a group of people to think this is what we do now. Um, But you do it in a very, yeah, a very airtight and kind of positive way, which is, you know, it has to be done by example. That is just the most powerful way. And uh, there's some of the gaps, to be honest. There's some of the gaps in our culture but then what the lying the lying down or the lying flat movement is example of culture rising up against it mm-hmm. and it can start very small but it can you know accumulate members and support and they're the some of the things that will at some point the pressure being applied against these systems we have in place has to it has to break because that pressure is just going to keep mounting because of all the negative consequences of it I'm definitely working hard to indoctrinate my kids that killing other people is wrong. So (laughs) I'm working hard at that. Now, you talked a little bit about how leadership is the the example is so important in leadership. And I I agree with that completely. I think the other part is expressing a belief that people can live up to whatever potential they see in themselves. That, you know, leadership is is one being a good example, but then also saying, here's where I see you going. Here's what I see you being capable of doing. And if you don't believe in that yet, you can borrow my belief that you can do that. And that's a good place to start to help people to see how to, how to get beyond where they're currently at. Yeah. Well, in the introduction for A10 and loss, I talked about four tragedies just from my point of view about all this and post high school life. And it was basically around these ideas that we very rarely know in great depth what's going on in our friends' lives, very often our family's lives, but also most people have no idea what they're capable of. And I have this story about being at a party with my old high school friends and just looking around at them and think, and looking at the guy who should be a comedian who's working in banking and the guy who should be a sports commentator working in auditing and, and it's, and it's, realizing that I actually have higher expectations of them than they have of themselves, which is, you know, very, 
this is a very confronting thing. The, the, the trouble is it gets a bit tricky because they can't, I don't believe they can really be told. I think you still play a role in trying to show them that. And that's why I've kind of, the strategy we're trying to use now is probably things like the book where you just get them to opt into something that's going to show them a bit more of their potential, like from the author's perspective, I mean, not so much a reader, a reader might resonate with the stories and think, oh, wow, if people, that, uh, that Tyler girl, she's like me. So oh, if she can do this, maybe I could. Very similar to like the impact The Third Door has had as a book, book with Alex Benayan. Um, but also being able to try creating these things um, that people can will say yes to and they just think, oh, yeah, book. But they don't realize that the larger objective is actually to show them a version of, them, of themselves they haven't seen yet. Because yeah. I think you get to a point where if you can do that enough, then people, I think, will become a bit more intentional. You know, they will become a bit more self-directed because experience is the ultimate teacher. Yeah. Experience is a much better teacher than a leader giving a good example. And and this is such a key because if we then give people these opportunities to make their own choices and to live their lives in the way they choose, then they learn way faster than they would learn otherwise. And, you know, I've got, you know, a hundred podcasts where I talk about that in here. So we won't won't go into it right now, but <laughs> Makes sense. the last question that I'd like to ask you is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you, Joe? Wow. What a great uh, final question. I think that, wow, there's, there's so many things. I think that being incredibly, incredibly open-minded about what a real education and learning experience looks like is probably the biggest thing because I think that that governs how a transformative principle would be leading and the example they set. I think that it's always harder to see, sorry, not always, but it can be hard to see things when you're inside the system and you're on the front line and you're just seeing these kind of consequences every day. I'm, I've getting principals talk to me now about, their frustration with the feedback they're getting from young people after high school. And, um, and they feel very powerless because they have a very caring maternal instinct about their students and they, uh, they don't know how to guide them. But I think the more open-minded and open to new possibilities, which I'm guessing, you know, everyone who listens to this is certainly well on that, well, well on that journey and should be commended for it. It's actually an openness of perspective. I think that is really important because at some time when we can make bigger strides on a system level, I feel like most stuff now will come from, it's easier to work on solutions for someone like me, probably outside the system, so to speak, because there's just move faster. I can change things faster. There's no bureaucracy. There's no board I have to approve things with, et cetera. I can write a book and get it up in six months and get an idea out. Um, but I think that. Uh, you know, being just open-minded and, and receptive to, to people and new ideas and new ways of thinking about education will accelerate because you've got people, they're the people in the right position, you know, to, to lead change, especially if they unify. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Now the book is 18 and lost and that's 18 and au. If you want to check that out or you can get it wherever you can find books, certainly on the Amazon Kindle. Um, yeah. So 
the the last chapter though is I think the best chapter in that book, and I don't want you to spoil it for anybody. Um, but it is really the best chapter. So you should go check it out and read the final chapter because that I think is going to have the most impact on your life. Um, after you read this book, uh, anything else to say about that, Joe, without spoiling it for anyone? No, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I think that <laughs> you need to go through it. I think you need to go through it. And I think of the book as this book is like a, it's not an end. It's not the end. You know, this book's not going to change, save everyone from being lost after high school or anything like that. This book is the first step on a journey. And if you go through it, you can, you can start a particular kind of journey and, and it leads somewhere else after. So, um, you know, if you're game and you're curious, then it's for you. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, thanks so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Really great to chat with you today. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.